All right. Well, I want to welcome everyone. Um, I'm really excited to connect with everyone who's live and then again, who is listening to the recording. This is a fun uh, new topic from a different angle that I'm going to be sharing with everyone today. Um, We're going to be talking about solutions to restore sleep for healing. Um, We'll dive in. We'll go over a lot today and I'm going to save some time for a Q&A as well. And so again, I am taking a deeper dive from a different angle with sleep um, and we'll discuss why. So we're going to go through the phases of sleep, really the benefits of uh, these two important phases of sleep, which are called deep sleep and REM sleep. I think a lot of us know that sleep is really important and it's so key to our healing and our ability to uh, function throughout the day. But really, what kind of sleep do we need to aim for and what does that actually do in our brain that we need to optimize? We'll talk about the role of GABA in restorative sleep. So those two sleep phases, as well as the pineal gland, um, which is an important topic. Um, that I love uh, diving into more and more. And then some solutions to optimize the pineal glands production of melatonin, and then also a lot of the toxicants that affect the pineal gland, and also the role of GABA with the pineal gland that I'm learning more about, the importance about circadian lighting, creating a safe sleeping location, uh, nighttime rituals to you know have a healthy night's sleep. And then I'm going to talk about a new solution that we have for improving deep um, and REM sleep. I was reviewing sleep statistics for this conversation. And these are not even that up to date. So the statistics that I'm um, going to be sharing are from 2013, uh, 2011, even. And we all know in the role of, you know, after 2020, and all the stress that we have gone under through society, I think these are really underreported and also probably low for what people are are going through right now. So Seaver reports that about 50 to 70 million Americans suffer from some type of sleep disorder, and 75 to 90% of insomnia sufferers have also an increased risk of all these uh, medical conditions leading to hypoxemia, so low oxygen states, uh, depression, pain conditions, just to name a few. This was also interesting to me. 40% of all insomnia patients have a coexisting psychiatric condition. So the role of our mental health and our neuropsychiatric health with um, sleep, how that's really important for us. This was also a really eye-opening statistic. The British uh, Medical Journal showed that those who take sleeping pills have a 35% higher chance of developing cancer. And we'll talk potentially mechanisms or why that is. I'm not anti any medicine or anti-solution, but I think the over-reliance and dependence on these medications, especially when you see how many Americans are suffering, and I know well-intentioned people are trying to give a solution and to get people to sleep, but we're not looking at the whole picture. And we might might be putting the people on these things for way too long with really serious um, side effects. Just an overview, um, some of you may already know this, but we have four stages of sleep. They used to be five, now they're four. And sleep is really divided between non-REM sleep and REM sleep. So non-rapid eye movement sleep has three phases. So when we go to bed and we're in light sleep, that's phase one or N1. Then phase two um, is going to be, we're going to be using more theta brainwaves where we have these sleep spindles that are more rhythmic brainwaves and patterns as our body's getting um, more deeply relaxed and in sleep. And then this deeper delta wave sleep is stage three. So this is a really important phase of sleep that we're going to be talking about today, as well as REM sleep. So the transition from phase three to uh, REM sleep. So REM sleep stands for rapid eye movement. And this is the time we dream. So it's a time while we're uh, relaxed and we're sleeping, we're more alert and more is happening physically because we're going through a dreaming process. And so during an eight hour period that we should all 
all be striving for. Uh, the brain goes in and out of REM about four to five times. And every 90 to 120 minutes, REM sleep and dreaming occurs. So we have to go through these phases and cycles of sleep to get to REM. Again, just to you know share information, the sleep doesn't progress through these stages in a sequence. They'll go from one to two to three, and then maybe two, then REM. So there's just a little bit of a, um, it's not as linear as it sounds. And then once REM is over, the body usually returns to stage two and goes through these cycles about four or five times throughout the night. So I know, again, the conversation around sleep is, you know, whatever we can do to get people to sleep, but we have to not only think about having our patients sleep, but we have to think about if you're struggling with sleep that we want, it's not only the hours or the solutions to um, have you be unconscious, but the type of sleep that you get is really important, especially this stage three and then REM sleep. So Americans with no doubt have a sleep debt. Sleep debt is what it sounds like. It's like our bank account. If we are not saving enough hours of sleep, we can run at a deficit. And this is it has a cumulative, uh, a cumulative effect on our body. So about 40 million Americans struggle with sleep debt. And then this, again, is a um, statistic from 2013 that the average hours of sleep per night for Americans is around 6.8 hours. Um, and look, in 1942, before our smartphones and our 24-hour TV and all of that, it was 7.9 hours. And then these are some, you know, a long list of short-term physical effects of having a sleep debt and then long-term physical effects. So short-term are probably pretty obvious from like brain fog or memory issues or feeling drowsy throughout the day. But when we think about long-term effects of not having enough sleep, we can have metabolic effects, insulin resistance, it can impair our immune system. We can, you know, age, um, we can have more inflammation on our body. Our brains actually can shrink. Parts of our brains can um, shrink. And again, that would lead to less cognitive functioning. So we don't want to have a sleep debt. Uh, transitioning into discussing about these two phases of sleep. So deep sleep and REM sleep is really what I want to educate you all about today. Um, again, so it's not just about getting to sleep and finding a solution to sleep, but it's the quality of sleep. And with more uh, sleep tracking devices um, that are out there, wearable technologies, there are ways that we can really monitor the type of sleep that you get rather than just doing a sleep study in a lab. And so again, stage three is part of non-REM sleep. It's really important for memory consolidation and brain restoration. And this is the slowest brainwave um, time of sleep. So it's also um, called delta sleep or delta brainwave sleep. And these um, brainwaves are really high in amplitude and low in frequency. And during this time, because the brain is resting so much, there's more glucose that's been taken up and metabolized in the brain. And so this is really helpful for um, creating and supporting short-term and long-term memory and overall learning. And then there's a relationship between sleep and our hormonal um, production and control, especially the relationship between the pineal gland and the pituitary. And then when the brain is resting, how the pituitary actually secretes hormones at night, we actually increase um, our growth hormone secretion. It, it becomes the highest at night during deep sleep. And growth hormone is really important for growth and repair in the body. It's a longevity hormone. So as we age or if we've had traumatic brain injuries or if we've had um, you know, concussions um, or other physical stress, we could have a low production of growth hormone. And that can, um, again, lead to a lot of physical um, effects and um, advanced aging. 
this is also interesting um, during this time that we have more parasympathetic neural activity, which makes sense. We're resting, we're, you know, our body is repairing in a parasympathetic mode and we decrease that sympathetic neural activity. And again, modern life, many of us are stuck in that sympathetic state and we need to engage the parasympathetic part of our nervous system so we can um, heal and repair. Other benefits of deep sleep, um, it helps with our energy, it helps with cell regeneration, increasing blood supply to our muscles. And again, with the growth hormone, it helps promote growth and repair of our tissues and bones. And it actually also helps to strengthen our immune system. And so during deep sleep, our immune system strengthens its memory of um, encountering different pathogens. So we actually enhance our immune memory, not only our uh, cognitive memory, but our immune memory. So when we're I'm not getting adequate amount of deep sleep we might not be able to engage our immune system or have an appropriate immune response. And we'll go into some solutions for deep sleep, but exercise, those who exercise more are more able to get into deep uh, restorative sleep at night. So again, that's a real high level overview of deep sleep. And then we have REM sleep. So REM sleep is a rapid eye uh, movement. It's the stage of sleep when dreaming occurs. And physically what's happening in the body when we go through REM sleep is that we're paralyzed. So we don't, our, our muscles are paralyzed. So we don't act out our dreams. And then our heart rate and our blood pressure increase as well as our breathing becomes faster and more irregular. REM sleep is associated with a brain um, wide increase in cerebral blood flow. So again, our heart rate and our blood pressure is um, increasing. So we're getting more blood um, flow to our brain, which has a lot of benefit. And we'll talk in a moment about how that also translates into more a influx of cerebral spinal fluid in the brain. And that connection between the uh, flow of blood in the brain and the flow of cerebral spinal fluid and lymph, um, that really activates our glymphatic system that I'll spend a moment on the slide uh, talking about this is really interesting as well. Um, there's a book, um, many of you have heard of this. Um, one of my patients told me about it and then Darcy read the whole thing as well, but um, it's Why We Sleep by uh, Dr. Matthew Walker and um, a really great read if anyone wants to dive into more of what I'm talking about. But he talks about how noradrenaline or, you know, th this, you know, sympathetic hormone that many of us produce in overabundance um, being in modern life and chronically stressed, this is really the only time that that hormone is essentially shut off when we're dreaming. Again, the whole heat, this is a quote from him. In fact, REM sleep is the only time during the 24 hour period when your brain is completely devoid of this anxiety triggering molecule. So, so many reasons why we need to get um, into this phase of sleep um, for us to get a break of that um, stress response that um, you know probably is flooding all of our bodies too much, especially um, nowadays. So benefits of REM, um, lots of benefits of REM sleep from a physical perspective. It's going to help with learning, our memory, our mood. It also helps with us um, because of how dreams help us to process um, in our brain. It can help with emotional recalibration. There's study with PTSD and REM sleep and dreaming and processing trauma. Also, it helps us to be more creative and to help problem solve. So not only this emotional piece, but also this creative problem solving. So if you're having a difficult time finding solutions in your life or creativity, this could be an area to focus on to make sure that you're, you know, remembering your dreams and actually dreaming at night. There's some other kind of more 
complicated language I wrote here, how we essentially uh, form and consolidate memories and allow our body or brain rather to um, process information, create short-term and long-term and allow us to learn new skills throughout the day. And then again, what we know when we don't have REM sleep is that we're going to have more impaired neurological functioning, also psychological functioning, um, again, impaired learning, memory, creativity, brain detoxification, we'll talk about in a moment. And then just interesting other um, connections with lack of REM. Um, there's a, again, um, if you are having trouble uh, losing weight, or if you have a metabolic disease, and you've tried a lot of things, but your sleep is not a priority, or you haven't tackled this part of your health, um, there are certain hormones that can either rise for benefit or rise to um, actually work against us um, that affect our metabolism. And so one is called leptin. So there can be an increase in leptin, if we're not getting uh, enough REM sleep and leptin puts us in this fat storage mode. So we're holding on to fat and we're not able to break down fat so we can be having difficulty losing weight um, and in a state of chronic inflammation with a high leptin level. Again, obviously there can be memory and, and cognitive impairment. And then from the um, dreaming and emotional and the consciousness, consciousness piece, we can have unresolved trauma from lack of REM. So many of you who have listened to me talk before know that I've talked a lot about the glymphatic system, but I haven't talked about the glymphatic system in relationship to REM. For those of you who are new to this topic, the glymphatic system is the glial dependent lymphatic system. It's the lymph system that was newly discovered in 2015 um, in our brain. So our brain actually has a natural self-cleaning ability at night. So when we get into this certain phase of sleep at night, our brain actually shrinks. And remember that increase in blood flow, that increase of cerebral spinal fluid floods our brain and bathes our neurons. And so this is a picture of neurons. And then these are the glial cells or astrocytes. And then they have these little end feet. This is the artery where blood is perfusing the brain and alongside because of the gradient and pressure, the cerebral spinal fluid is flowing. And then these um, end feet and these um, glial cells regularly regulate the flow of lymph um, to bathe the neurons, bringing oxygen and nutrition. And then the, the, the big part of my world is removing waste. So removing waste, and then it flows along the venous system in the brain and your body detoxifies whatever is mobilized. And so they've shown studies that people who have an impaired lymphatic system or poor sleep have a buildup of beta amyloid, which is going to basically when that builds up in the brain, that can lead to neuronal cell death and then impaired communication and cognitive impairment and can be a risk for um, dementia or Alzheimer's. So again, thinking from this other angle that I haven't shared as much about, I, I was overlooking it or not as focused, that really REM sleep, that phase of sleep is really important to achieve at night in order for our lymphatic system to be more active and for us to remove um, not only normal metabolic waste, but a lot of the um, environmental toxicants and pathogens that we're exposed to that our brain is struggling with. So really, again, my work has always been focused on to have a healthy brain, you have to have a healthy lymphatic system, and we need um, optimal amounts of REM uh, to achieve this. So why don't we have enough REM? So again, a long list of substances that are often common, um, so caffeine, 
alcohol, marijuana, certain medications. So this is the chicken or the egg, right? And so uh, the hard part um, with these medications that unfortunately people who might be in more pain or more anxious or have sleep deficits are prescribed actually um, may have a sedating um, effect, but they might not get into those um, stage three or REM sleep. And then that has all of these other benefits and it propels this vicious cycle. And that's why I think through the British Medical journal, that's one of the uh, reasons why cancer might be on the rise because we're not getting this repair time um, when we use these substances that, again, serve a purpose at times, but I think there people are on them for way too long without um, other solutions or looking at the underlying cause of why they were prescribed. There should be short-term solutions, not long-term solutions. And then lithium as well. And then for myelin, so those substances can interfere with our ability to get into REM. And then REM activity can also occur with not enough sleep. So remember that we have to, on average, get sleep for 90 minutes before we get into REM. And we have to have those cycles of sleep happen for us to achieve REM. So ideally, in that eight-hour period, we want to get... Um, four to five cycles. So if we don't have enough sleep hours, we're not going to achieve REM in those in that amount of time. A lot of chronic illnesses that I see can interrupt um, our ability to achieve that. And then exposure to EMF um, has been shown to also affect um, this phase of sleep. You know, I'm going to go through, you know, the some solutions um, in a moment. And again, the big message of my talk today is to, it's not only, you know, achieving sleep, it's achieving um, the deep sleep and the REM sleep for our uh, bodies to be as healthy as possible, not only in a physical level, but on a psycho-spiritual and emotional level as well. So when we think about some solutions, GABA is a uh, neurotransmitter many of you have heard of, and its role is inhibitory in the brain. So it is going to be the neurotransmitter transmitter that makes people feel calm and relaxed. And a lot of pharmaceuticals actually manipulate um, GABA receptors or GABA amounts in the brain to help achieve this feeling. Uh, so, you know, GABA is, you know, a really um, important neurotransmitter when we look at sleep. It helps to facilitate sleep. It also reduces, again, mental and physical stress and lowers anxiety and people feel calm, you know, when GABA is flowing in the brain. It also helps to break down serotonin so it can produce melatonin. So again, affecting more of a regulate, regulatory effect. And melatonin and GABA, I think, work um, you know, very well together. One study showed that um, GABA levels were reduced in 30% of adults who had primary insomnia. So that's significant. And then low GABA is not only associated with insomnia and disrupted sleep patterns, but also anxiety, chronic stress, depression, difficulty concentrating, memory problems, muscle pain and headaches. Also, people who tend to have low GABA might uh, be more prone to uh, abuse different substances like alcohol because alcohol has a, a GABA allergic effect. So a lot of people who have low GABA might feel better with um, alcohol because they're stimulating their body's own ability to produce them. Again, you know, GABA has this effect that it helps support our sleep. And then remember, if we don't have enough GABA and we're not getting in deeper uh, phases of sleep, it's kind of a self-fulfilling uh, cycle that we can actually be more prone uh, to anxiety and depression and pain and memory issues and inflammation. Um, so it's an important thing to look at when we're looking specifically at how to, you know, give people a solution for deep restorative and REM sleep. 
So Dr. Ruggiero is a good friend and he, um, as I'll talk more about him today, he did a ton of research around the role of GABA and sleep. And so for any of you who are interested in studies and more research about all of the benefits, I just kind of listed um, a long list of research articles he gave uh, me. So it, you know, it helps to, um, again, potentiate other uh, neurotransmitters. It helps to modulate also the can uh, cannabinoid pathways and the endocannabinoid receptors in the body. So again, can be, you know, again, supportive for sleep and pain and mood. It also, you know, helps us to, you know, just again, um, get into that deeper state of sleep by inhibiting, inhibiting the prefrontal cortex in the adult brain so we can relax and we can achieve deeper sleep. So again, just for those of you who like articles, I just gave you a list here. So again, thinking about deep sleep, REM sleep, we got to acknowledge GABA, right? So GABA has a huge role and we'll talk about that more. And then I can't talk about sleep without talking about the pineal gland. And I feel even more intimately connected with the pineal gland. Recently, I um, went to Dr. Joe Dispenza's event about two weeks ago in Orlando, Florida, and that was, I'd have been following his work and a handful of my patients have been helped tremendously by his work. So I was always piqued on uh, my interest in his work. And so he does a lot of work around the role of the pineal gland because of, we'll go through, it's powered to not only um, regulate the brain and our body, but also to also connect to consciousness. And so he had us up a few times um, um, to, I think, twice during the retreat at 4 a.m. Uh, to do a pineal gland meditation um, where he really works on breath work in not only to get into a deep, relaxed state, but also to create fluid dynamics, to create more fluid, um, to basically create more blood flow and pressure to the pineal gland to stimulate it more. So he times that at 4 a.m. because that's the time that melatonin peaks. And so, um, you know, to get the most out of that experience. And I have to say that was one of the most, I had never done anything like that. And it was really uh, transformative and not to get too personal right now, but I, I guess I will. So I had a hormone imbalance where my prolactin levels were a little high. And so I just found it out before the retreat. And so I took, took labs right before the retreat and I just took labs again. And my prolactin went from 37 to 25, which is pretty remarkable in that short amount of time. And so I'm just, I'm going to give you solutions, but I'm, I'm just taking a little dive into that world and the power of meditation, breath, opening up to consciousness um, through his work as well. Anyway, the pineal gland is, um, you know, pineal pine cone. So it is a small pine cone shaped gland that sits at the center of the brain. So here it is. Um, it's what we call a neuroendocrine transducer. It takes light information from the outside world through the retina to the brain and transforms that information to endocrine information. So that's why it's called a neuroendocrine transducer. So um, that information helps us to produce melatonin at optimal times. So it really is master regulator. It helps to um, regulate our biological clock, our circadian rhythm. And then again, in some schools of thought, we call it the third eye because of its ability to um, help us connect to whatever you believe um, a higher consciousness is. 
So our pineal glands, a lot of my work has also been educating people about, you know, a lot of the effects of the environment that we're up against and how this affects our pineal gland. And because of where the pineal gland is positioned, it's not protected by the blood brain barrier and it's more vulnerable to toxicants that reduce melatonin production. So uh, many of you have heard about how fluoride calcifies the pineal gland. That is very true. Um, we have fluoridated water, fluoride gets um, taken in and because of its Again, the pineal gland's vulnerability to blood-borne toxicants, a fluoride finds its way there and can calcify. I had a patient um, who sees um, one of the dentists I refer, and she even wrote on the CT scan that she could see that her uh, pineal gland was calcified from um, a dental image. So it is objective. It is happening. Again, we can avoid fluoride in our water and have good water filtration. And then the tools that I'm going to share today are strategies to reduce fluoride and to uh, decalcify the pineal gland. Through the work of Dr. Seneff, glyphosate, the herbicide in, uh, or the active ingredient in the herbicide Roundup actually facilitates um, the transport of a aluminum to the pineal gland. She wrote a whole paper on that if you want to dive into all the mechanisms. But, you know, the high level glyphosate makes our um, gut more leaky. Um, the aluminum that we're overexposed to and ingest through our digestive tract is more permeable and gets into circulation. And because of the way um, it's transported via transferrin, um, it makes its way to the pineal gland and accumulates. And so that can reduce melatonin production. Mercury, um, mercury we forget about because we have all these other toxic to think about, but mercury, you know, for people who've had dental fillings or, you know, been exposed to mercury, that can affect the pineal gland. And then EMF. So there are more and more studies showing how EMF can affect the production of melatonin and the increase in urinary excretion of melatonin as well. And then those alone, um, you know, can be problematic, um, but those toxicants can combine and then create these other molecules that also can be um, problematic. So aluminum and fluoride can combine combined to create aluminum fluoride. Um, so aluminum can be used in different um, municipalities in the water um, where it's used as a, a coagulation to get bacteria out of the water. So it's aluminum sulfite or sulfate rather, and that is combined with fluoride and it creates aluminum fluoride that can create more excited excitation uh, and disruption in the brain. And then aluminum and glyphosate, not only do the glyphosate facilitate the absorption of aluminum to get to the pineal gland, but that combines into different molecules to be more disruptive in not only the pineal gland, but into the you know other parts of the body as well. I know a lot about, you know, okay, now I had this experience with meditation with the pineal gland around the role of melatonin uh, production in the pineal gland. But again, as we're diving deeper into GABA, there's a relationship between the pineal gland and GABA. So um, pineal sites and glial pineal cells, so those are the cells within the pineal gland that actually take up GABA from the extracellular space. And they also can synthesize GABA within the pineal gland. And so this is interesting because GABA has this, again, remember how how it can signal the breakdown of serotonin to produce melatonin. Um, so it has this regulatory role and to optimize our melatonin. And then GABA, uh, you know, also assists us in achieving REM sleep, remember? And so again, the glymphatic system is going to be really important to keep our pineal glands um, as healthy as possible and to remove all these toxicants and this metabolic waste and pathogens out of our brain. So we want to, you know, so GABA not only is important for regulation 
regulation of production of melatonin within the pineal gland, but also GABA, um, because we get into deeper sleep, helps to detoxify the pineal gland via the lymphatic system. And it can also, again, uh, prevent it from, you know, getting calcified, as I just said, making that connection with the pineal gland um, uh, and GABA, which um, was, was new to me. When we think about solutions, you know, we're going to talk more about GABA. We want to talk about, okay, things that we can do to uh, strengthen our pineal gland, optimize our pineal gland's production of melatonin, and also uh, optimize our sleep so we can detoxify our pineal gland. And so lighting is really important. I um, do this in my own life, and I feel like it's really important for me, and I see this in my patients as well. So circadian lighting is this whole school of thought, how lighting supports the natural sleep-wake cycle of our circadian rhythm. So we're inundated by a lot of junk lighting. We have a lot of blue LEDs or fluorescent lights, or we're um, surrounded around the um, too bright of blue light at the wrong biological time that can affect our um, regulation and our pineal glands communication. So I interviewed an architect, she's on my podcast years ago, who her name's Milena Simonova, and she is an architect who just does circadian lighting for buildings. And, you know, the world's catching up with her. And now we have more solutions, but it's this idea of how do we mimic nature in our lives and mimic the light that we're exposed to throughout the day so that we can have an optimal circadian rhythm. So this is just from a website kind of showing kind of the natural lighting throughout the day and that we should mimic that within our indoor environment. So for sleep, we want to minimize blue light exposure at least two to three hours before bedtime. I feel like that there's a lot of awareness around that now. So screensavers, obviously with our technologies, um, we want to uh, reduce blue light exposure. So we can do that through, I, I use Flux, but there's a lot more of them um, nowadays. Blue blocking glasses. There's a ton of them these days. And then I have a circadian light bulb in my study where I turn it to red at night. I, I have to still work when Anne-Marie goes to bed. So I surround myself with red light. And that was one of the most relaxing things that I have done and implemented over the years, you know, for helping me to transition to sleep when I'm done. And true dark is the light bulb. In order to optimize sleep, we want to create a safe sleeping location, mimic nature in our home environment. So with um, tagging onto lighting, we want to create a dark room with blackout shades in our bedroom. And then looking at EMF exposure, because again, a lot of my patients struggle with insomnia. This alone, I've seen help um, a lot of patients improve, you know, their sleep. So mitigating dirty electricity. So dirty electricity is um, when the electrical wiring in the home can be putting off essentially a disharmonic um, electrical field that can affect our bodies physically. And so Stetzer filters um, have a tool where you can measure that. And then you can put um, the solution. If there is dirty electricity, you can put a filter in the, the plug and that can create more of a um, harmonious um, electromagnetic field from the electrical wiring. That alone, I've seen patients do better with. I'm removing electronics from the bedroom. Try not to bring your phone into your bedroom, use a book <laughs> or just go to bed when you're there. Um, and then again, nothing plugged in in the room because um, that can create a magnetic field even when things are turned off. If you are really concerned about this, if you're struggling with a chronic illness, I would even consider to measure the EMF in your bedroom. You can get a measuring device or a meter that looks at electric fields and magnetic fields, and you can measure that um, and see, you know, again, how much work you have to do. If you have to do a lot of mitigation, I would consider working with a building biologist because um, the technicality and making sure that everything's done appropriately is that so you optimize the space rather than making anything worse. And there's paint and uh, window films and sleep canopies and 
and so forth that you can, um, you know, put in your bedroom um, so that you can have a really um, safe sleeping environment to have restorative sleep and reduce EMF exposure for that amount of time, that eight hours that you're going to be sleeping. Shielded Healing is Brian Hoyer's group that um, does a great job and he has trained people around the world. But this information is more and more um, widespread uh, that there are more people doing this, which is awesome. Turning off your Wi-Fi at night. So again, if you have Wi-Fi in your home, turning that off at night can also really improve sleep. When we think about the lymphatic system, we think about, you know, the brain draining at night. So some people sleep at an incline, a five degree incline, and that can really help to allow the lymph to drain out of the brain um, more optimally. Samina Bed is um, their friends. Um, they have a wonderful sleep system. They make inclined um, bed frames. They have really beautiful mattresses that are really healthy. And then they have a really great grounding mat. Out of all the grounding mats out there, um, I think they have the best one that, you know, when you sleep grounded, that can be really great for not only deep and restorative and REM sleep, but also for inflammation and, you know, a lot of health benefits as well. Aerofiltration is really important. Um, I can't express, you know, there's so much information now about mold in your home. If you're struggling with a chronic illness or struggling from sleep, please, you know, get your home checked out for mold. Um, that is far too common and that can be really uh, disruptive. So identify the source, uh, remediate, and then air filtration that can also mitigate any um, environmental toxicant or and keep the, the um, indoor air quality healthy, especially in your um, bedroom. Another thing to think about is, you know, when we sleep, our, our core body temperature actually cools. So this shows from 10 to 6 that our uh, body temperature drops 1 to 2 degrees. Um, so that actually helps to optimize getting into deep restorative and REM sleep. So either use, adjust your thermostat so you're not hot at night and adjust your, you know, sleep blankets and so forth. I've been friendly with the company Chili Pad. I sleep with a Chili Pad and that's been a really great tool for myself and my husband. That's another great strategy to improve improve deep and REM sleep. And then nighttime rituals. I think this is really important. You know, we all, you know, have so much stress in life these days. And I think that it's important to um, create a nighttime ritual to have that sacred time of relaxation um, to, again, optimize your sleep so that you can live a long, healthy life. Um, so there's schools of thought of a consistent bedtime can be very helpful. Avoiding eating two to three hours before bed, especially for my intermittent fast you know, that's going to be even more important. I think this is also important. Avoid stressful conversations or looking at stressful things on um, your devices or social media. Um, again, we want to be in a time of parasympathetic and relaxation so we can optimize sleep. So baths, sound medicine is an interest of mine that I just love through different, either doing sound baths or different, you know, tuning forks or meditations. There's so much available, but sound changes our field and can also get us into uh, the parasympathetic. Um, journaling can be a really great way to offload stress before the day. Um, so I think these are really great. We had a meeting before uh, this call today um, with my team. I work with a wonderful group of doctors and we were just talking about a lot of things. And uh, Dr. Beatty saw a quote today from Brene Brown that said, uh, sleep is a form of self-respect. And I thought that was really wise, right? So I think in American culture, we're transitioning, but a lot of us kind of wear a badge. Oh, I don't need enough sleep or I'm I'm good or, you know, sleep is a form of sacrifice that we all make and it's all good. But ultimately loving ourselves and making time 
time for sleep um, really not only restores our body uh, physically, but it also restores our spirit. And I think uh, nowadays when the world is, again, so intense and so full of all of this information that can be really anxiety and fear producing, um, this is a time that we should guard and protect and make a priority for ourselves. I talked a lot about GABA and we created a product with Dr. Ruggiero. So Dr. Ruggiero is a dear friend. Um, he helped me create uh, the flow creams um, that have been really wonderful. And his passion has been on the lymphatic system and the immune system and where he has been in his life. He, you know, dove deeper in again, how do we really heal and restore the brain through sleep as well as open people up to this other part of our consciousness that we can achieve uh, through dreaming and also all of the beneficial psychological effects when we get deep sleep. So our passion is both supporting our patients who have sleep disorders, who are chronically ill, but also during this time, connecting people to um, yeah, something greater and bigger um, than ourselves. I didn't mention when I was at the Joe Dispenza event, I, I had met a friend, I met a lot of friends there, and I had samples of this. And um, one of my friends, we put it on before one of the meditations, the, the cream that I'm about to share. And we both like got into such a deep state of uh, meditation that was way easier to achieve um, than uh, prior meditation. So I think this is kind of like a good shortcut <laughs> Uh, to help optimize meditation if that's something you're drawn to. So again, there's a lot of GABA on the market and there's a lot of, you know, of course, you know, products that work, but um, I've always been frustrated because a lot of oral GABA is poorly absorbed and it's not as um, bioavailable to the brain. And so um, Dr. Ruggiero and his wisdom, he, um, again, we've created a lot of transdermal products together. He is one of the probably world's experts on the role of chondroitin sulfate um, and how chondroitin sulfate is a proteoglycan in the extracellular matrix, um, which has an, um, you know, a structural, but also a, an immune effect in the body and also regulates inflammation. So when in a lot in our flow cream, we had the chondroitin sulfate as also a delivery device to optimize absorption and effect. And so we paired GABA and chondroitin sulfate, you know, with a lot of clean organic ingredients in combination to essentially be a way that uh, GABA could get into the interstitium, into the lymphatics, into the brain and have a more powerful effect. So um, he also has created a microbial chondroitin sulfate. So people who are vegan out there, um, it's non-animal derived, which is awesome. We call the cream Somnium and um, we have been working with it before we, you know, brought it to market and I'll show you some studies, but it helps with all of these stages of sleep. So it helps you fall asleep, stay asleep. It helps you to access REM sleep and, um, you know, essentially helps you to um, improve overall sleep quality. So then again, it's going to help those phases of sleep, but also the brain benefits. So again, um, it helps to activate REM sleep, but therefore activating the lymphatic system, um, therefore detoxifying the brain. So again, this is the perfect marriage for a lot of our work with the lymphatic system that we're now helping people to achieve that um, REM sleep to activate lymphatic system. 
And then um, again, it has a regulatory effect on hormones, the hypothalamus, the pituitary, memory, learning, creativity, reducing anxiety. And then again, with the trauma and emotional support, because if we're accessing more REM sleep, we're able to dream and access also um, deep sleep and REM sleep help us to process certain life events that were less prone to neuropsychiatric illnesses through the role of GABA. It does a lot of things. And we've heard so many wonderful anecdotes that it um, is a really, really fun part of my work right now to see people um, not only sleep better, but also have these really um, insightful moments in their life um, as a result. Marco um, had a study where he looked through a wearable technology, a Fitbit, uh, before and after um, the use of Somnium, and we could look at deep sleep score and also REM sleep percentage. And, you know, this, of course, is a small study, but the results are so promising before and after. And this is coincides with anecdotes. Again, I learn from my patients every day. Um, we only want to do things that work and that we hear improve. Or if I hear something that works that my patient shared, I go research it and make sure that we learn about it because, you know, our patients tell us what works and what doesn't. And this has been a really um, exciting support for people who haven't gotten um, where we want uh, them with sleep. How it's made, um, it's really, you know, a jar will last you at least three months and you only use a little bit of, um, at a time and you put it on your temples and then we have people put it behind their ear at the top of their ear. That's the thinnest part of the skin. So it's really well absorbed. And again, before bedtime, or if you're going through a, going to meditate or do more of a um, experience in that way, apply before that and, um, we would love to hear how it goes for you. We have a promotion that we're going to be doing 10% off for a little bit. So there is this code, uh, Deep Sleep. And then we created, if you purchase this, we created a dream journal. So part of my kind of work with this product with my patients is also hearing how they're processing dreams, how they're processing different memories or traumas or unconscious parts of themselves that are coming to the surface uh, through this. So it's exciting. And then um, um, you not only get a dream journal, but also kind of a recap of the 10 tips that kind of foundational for improving sleep. So today, again, I wanted to just share my exploration in sleep. And a, we have a solution and a product that we're really, really excited about. And um, if you choose to purchase it, please, I we're collecting uh, more and more anecdotes. And we'd love to um, hear from you how this transforms your sleep and hopefully your life as well. This, again, is a new area of interest, a new exploration, a new um, area of education that I'll be sharing with everyone. So we'll um, be doing more of this. So I appreciate everybody who joined live and everybody who is on, you know, watching this later. And please, um, if you are feeling drawn to Somnium and check it out, please um, share the, your feedback with us. We'd love to hear how this is uh, supporting you. And I'm excited to hear from you. And always good connecting with everyone. Everyone. So have a good one. Bye.